Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. On tonight's episode, we're joined by artificial intelligence. That's right. We're going to be talking all about it, what it is, how it works, and answering the most important question, artificial intelligence or artificial improv. Let's hit it. Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Lee Evans. And tonight, we're joined by an incredibly controversial, plagiaristic, unoriginal jerk of a guest, AI. That's right, artificial intelligence. That's what we're talking about tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And in fact, AI is actually in the room with us right now. It's not to my left. It's actually on this very MacBook that's in my lap. So if you see me looking down at any point, that's because I'm chatting with our friend, AI. So tonight, we have a lot to talk about. I mean, what is AI? What's the big deal? Why are people striking about it? Can we use it to help us in improv? So many questions. And I wanted to sit down and record this episode because AI is something I've encountered in my work and found to be a useful tool in some capacities. But I've also begun to become a bit wary about it, right? Some of the concerns, the dangers, how quickly we're moving and developing this technology. What questions do we have? Is this safe? Is it good? Why are people scared of it, right? So many things just running through my mind. So I wanted to sit down tonight and kind of give a demonstration of some of the AI we have available to us as regular human beings, available for free on the internet, uh, that we're able to use, try out, and really see what its capabilities are. So tonight, we're going to be hanging out with ChatGPT. And as always here on Improv for the Podcast, to respect our guests, we're going to play a round of three things. So I'm going to go ahead, go ahead and cut over to my friend ChatGPT. We'll play some three things, and then we'll talk about AI, what it is, how it works, and we'll see what kind of improv this bad boy can do. Here we go. All right, here we are. Let's take a look at our friend, ChatGPT. Hey, ChatGPT, how you doing tonight? Hey there. I'm not affected by time or day, but I'm here and ready to engage in some improv with you. What kind of scene or scenario shall we dive into tonight? Wow, sounds very natural, huh? None of that Microsoft Samantha voice at all. So we're going to be playing a game of three things. So I'm going to be giving a chat GPT some prompts. I'm going to be talking to it. It's going to be responding. Now to preface, chat GPT does not normally talk to you, but I installed something on my computer to allow me to talk to chat GPT uh, for the purposes of recording this podcast. So we got three categories tonight. Let's see how it goes. These are three things. All right, ChatGPT, could you please give me a list of three sandwiches? Absolutely. I'd be delighted to. Here are three sandwich ideas for you. Turkey club sandwich. A classic favorite featuring layers of roasted turkey slices. Crispy bacon. Fresh lettuce. Juicy tomatoes. And creamy mayonnaise. All stacked between toasted slices of your preferred bread. Caprese panini. This Italian-inspired delight includes slices of fresh mozzarella cheese ripe tomatoes, and basil leaves. 
drizzled with balsamic glaze and tucked between slices of focaccia bread before being grilled to perfection. Spicy Veggie Wrap For those who prefer a meatless option, try a wrap filled with a mix of grilled or roasted vegetables, such as bell peppers, zucchini, and onions, seasoned with spices and a touch of heat. Add some hummus or tzatziki for extra flavor and roll it all up in a tortilla. Feel free to modify these ideas to your liking or let me know if you have any specific preferences. Wow. Well, that was an incredibly thorough list. Uh, those three sandwiches listed turkey club, caprese panini, and a spicy veggie wrap. It also gave me the ingredients of each of these sandwiches. So incredibly thorough and detailed. Not exactly in the spirit of the game, but we'll keep going. Please list three clothing brands. Certainly. Here are three clothing brands. Nike. Known for its sportswear and athletic apparel. Nike is a globally recognized brand that offers a wide range of products, including shoes, clothing, and accessories. Zara. Zara is a popular fast fashion brand that offers trendy and affordable clothing options for men, women, and children. They're known for their quick turnaround of new styles based on the latest fashion trends. Wow. Levi's. Levi's is a well-known denim brand that specializes in jeans and other denim-related products. They have a long history of producing high-quality jeans with various styles and fits. These are just a few examples. And there are many more clothing brands out there catering to various tastes and preferences. Okay, so those were three clothing brands. Oh my gosh. So again, it's giving me the list and some information. We're going to try one more category. Please give me a list of three world leaders. No description needed. Please give me a list of three world leaders. No description needed. Uh-oh. All right, this one's not working, so I'm going to type it out. Please give me a list of three world leaders. No description needed. All right, let's see what it gives me in that list. Three world leaders. Here we go. Angela Merkel, Justin Trudeau, and Emmanuel Certainly. Macron. What is that? Here Germany, are three world leaders. Canada, France. All right, very nice, very nice, very nice. Also, I specified that I didn't want a description, so I was just given that list. Important to know. All right, so that was an interesting experiment there. We played our traditional game we do on the podcast, three things, uh, but with ChatGPT, both giving it a prompt and then it responding. And what did we learn from playing that game? Well, we learned that the more specific you are in your prompt to jet GPT, the more accurate it's going to be. In that last category, world leaders, you know, I told it, I was like, hey, just give me the list. Don't give me that description. It was really long, right? Because it told me all about the sandwiches. It told me all about those clothing brands. We might not want to hear all of that. That's interesting. Okay. So we had a quick introduction to AI and one version of AI, which is a called ChatGPT, which is developed by a company called OpenAI. So let's talk about this a little more. I mean, what is artificial intelligence? And more specifically, what is generative AI? And when I say generative AI, that's the type of AI we're using tonight, an AI that can generate content, ideas, information, lists. So let's actually check out a definition. 
So generative AI is a kind of computer program that learns from examples and then makes its own new stuff that is similar to what it learned. It's like an AI artist or writer that creates things on its own. Now, I did actually ask ChatGPT to write its own definition of itself, and this is what it gave me. So we might have heard about all these different types of AI, right? And the reason I chose ChatGPT is it's one of the most prominent. Uh, it's one featured uh, currently in Microsoft Bing, their search engine, and a lot of their other products. There are a ton of other competitors right there, but this is the most well-known, most common one right now, and it's very accessible. Anyone can go to the website, sign up with an account, and start using it for free. Right? There are paid features, but uh, we're, we're all about the free stuff here. Just remember, anytime something is free, you are the product, right? Your data is the product. Anyway, so generative AI. It generates stuff. It creates stuff. You may have seen some examples of this online. There are some crazy uses of generative AI online. For example, you could go on YouTube right now, and you could find uh, Frank Sinatra covering a Drake song. And it would kind of sound like Frank Sinatra. You could go on Tumblr somewhere and you could find an AI-generated poem in the style of Shakespeare about the Ford F-150. All this stuff exists out there and are just slight examples of how this thing can work. I mean, there are so many images, right? You could say, give me pictures of Winnie the Pooh in the style of Vincent Van Gogh. And AI can make that happen, right? You give it these prompts, these suggestions, and it's able to generate things based off of that, which is both incredible and terrifying. But why? Why is it terrifying? How does this work? So before we talk about why this is terrifying, let's break down how this works a little bit. So the ChatGPT definition of how this works, this generative AI, right? It takes in information and then it can create something based off of that. So ChatGPT is an AI program that talks like a human. It learns from lots of text and uses that learning to have text-based conversations. It's like having a chat with a smart computer that can generate responses that sound natural and make sense. Around 300 billion words from the internet were fed into ChatGPT to develop it and to create it how it is today. So essentially, generative AI works like this. You feed it a certain type of data, tons of it, as much as you can get. And as it eats that data, right, it learns it and studies it and is able to recreate it in its own fashion or in a copycat tribute sort of way. So if you have an AI that can generate Drake songs, it's probably listened to Drake's entire catalog and is thus able to recognize patterns in his beats, in his lyrics, recreate his voice and his sound based off of that. Same thing with Vincent Van Gogh, probably an AI that has studied all of his paintings, all of his work, and is able to see, oh, I see the style, the trends, the techniques, the colors that he uses, and now I can apply anything to that Vincent Van Gogh style. Same with ChatGPT. ChatGPT is a text-based uh, language learning model, meaning that it's fed, like we said, 300 billion words from the internet. So it's learned a ton of words and is now able to have almost natural-sounding conversation with the human or whoever is prompting it. So that's, in a nutshell, how this AI works. It's fed a bunch of stuff, and it's able to recreate or copy that. Pretty interesting. So before we talk about the good, the bad, and all of that, we're going to put this thing through its paces. We're going to kind of take it through some improv, some improv work. There's going to be a few things we're going to try with ChatGPT tonight before we talk about the ethics of all of this, right? The ethics and the bigger conversation around AI. Because we want to see what it can do 
before we start thinking about its consequences. That's the purpose of this podcast tonight and its applications within improv. So I'm going to give ChatGPT a couple of uh, improv prompts. Then I'm going to ask it to help me create some games or some improv long forms. And then finally, I'm going to see if it's even possible to do an improv scene with ChatGPT. So here we go. Uh, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to try and write a song using ChatGPT. Let's cut over. And uh, for the purposes of this, my uh, text-to-speech chat GPT wasn't working right now. I'm going to try and refresh my page. Let's see if it works. Write me a poem about the fast and the furious. Wow. It's writing a poem just like that. And uh, I'm going to read the poem back so we can enjoy it rather than have the, uh, the computer read it. So I gave it a prompt to write me a poem about the Fast and Furious. Let's take a look. In streets alive with engines roar, where speed and thrill forever soar, a saga born of nitrous haze unveils a world of endless blaze. Fast and furious the tale does weave, a family, loyalty, they believe. Through tire smoke and twists of fate, they race for honor, never abate. Dominic Toretto, a heart of steel, with racing skills that truly feel, a brotherhood bound by more than speed, their unity forged in moments of need. From Tokyo's lights to Rio's embrace, chasing dreams at a breakneck pace, Vin Diesel's growl and Paul's charm, in every scene they set the alarm. Muscle cars and sleek machines, beneath the moonlit neon screens, a symphony of power and grace, as gears shift in a wild embrace. Letty's courage, Han's wise grin, each character plays their part within, a tapestry of action and might, in every gear change, a thrilling flight. Villains rise, shadows cast, but heroes find strength in the past. With every challenge, they unite. In the face of danger, they ignite. Through heists and spins and daring feats, a family forged on asphalt streets. The fast and furious forever lives in heart-pounding moments that cinema gives. So buckle up and grip the wheel, for in this saga, emotions feel. A high-octane journey, a wild ride, the fast and furious forever tied. Oh my gosh. That is crazy. It just wrote me a poem. You know, I didn't give it a specific type of poem, a specific structure about the fast and the furious. That's absolutely crazy. I'm going to try one more thing with this prompt to see if we can get more specific. Write me a haiku poem about the fast and furious. Okay, we're going to try typing this prompt. Write me a haiku poem about the fast and furious. Just to get more specific. Wow, here we go. A haiku poem following the rules of five, seven, five syllables. Engines roar and blaze. Family speed nights ablaze. Fast and furious. Wow. Okay, so it can get the specifics down as well. Pretty impressive, pretty interesting, but also scary. Very, very scary. Let's take a look at something else. I'm going to try uh, telling chat GPT to give me an improv scene suggestion. Let's try it. I'm going to go ahead and refresh the page. 
Give me a one-word improv suggestion to start a scene. I asked it for a one-word improv suggestion. It said carousel. There you go. That's pretty crazy. Let's be more specific. Give me a starting location for an improv scene. Abandoned lighthouse. Love it. Let's try another one. Give me a starting relationship for an improv scene. Long lost siblings. I love it. Let's try one more. Give me an initiation for an improv scene. As the storm rages outside, you and your long lost sibling find yourselves seeking shelter inside the abandoned lighthouse you used to visit as children. Wow. That's pretty amazing. It gave me a whole suggestion, uh, kind of a, a scene initiation for the improv scene, which sounds pretty compelling. Like it, it gives me the prompt right there. It gives me the initiation. That's crazy. That could be pretty useful. All right, let's see what else this can do. Um, so now we've seen some improv prompts. Let's try this out to see if it can help us come up with some improv games. So we're going to come up with one improv warm-up. We're going to come up with one improv short-form game and one improv long-form game. Let's see what we can find. Give me a suggestion for an improvisation warm-up. All right, let's take a look. So here's an improv warm-up. Mirror, mirror. In pairs, take turns mirroring each other's movements and actions. Start with one person leading and the other person imitating. Then switch roles. This exercise helps build focus, connection, and cooperation between participants. Wow. Pretty interesting. Okay. And let me see if it can create an original one. Create a suggestion for an improv warm-up. Hmm. This reacts a little differently this time. Check it out. It says word association circle. Have the participants stand or sit in a circle. Start with one person saying a word out loud. The person next to them has to quickly say a word that is somehow related to the previous word. Keep going around the circle with each person connecting their word to the one before. This exercise encourages quick thinking, creativity, and spontaneity in generating associations. Wow. Pretty crazy. So I love that it, it, it tells me the name of the exercise. It gives me an explanation of how it works. And it tells me what it encourages or why this exercise might be helpful. Let's try something in reverse. Give me a list of improv warm-ups that help encourage spontaneity. Wow. Okay, so I asked it to give me a list of improv warm-ups uh, that encourage spontaneity. It just keeps writing. It's at 12, 13, 14 suggestions, 15 suggestions. Oh my gosh. So it just gave me a list of 15 different improv games that it believes help encourage spontaneity, which to be fair, uh, pretty much every improv game encourages spontaneity, but it's interesting to see. Now let's take a look at creating a short form game. Create a short form improv game for me. All right, here we go. This looks great. It gives me an, object, an objective, a setup for the game, the instructions, tips, and even an example. 
Oh my gosh, how incredibly thorough. Wow. So we'll take a brief overview. Obviously, this is a lot of text, so we're not going to look at the whole thing. Uh, but the game it gives me is called Genre Switch. And this game says, to uh, the objective is to perform a scene that seamlessly switches between different film or literary genres based on audience suggestions. That's a game we've played similar here on the podcast before. It gives me the setup for the game, and it gives me the instructions, tips, and an example. So this is incredibly thorough, uh, pulling this improv short form information. That is crazy. That is crazy. It's like I'm flipping through a book, but I don't actually have to flip through. I just tell it what I want, and it gives it to me. It's almost like I'm searching through Google, but the answers and results are more specific. Less searching, more brought to me. It caters to me. Let's try this final thing uh, coming up with an improv long form. Please create an improvisation long form style for me. Let's see how this goes. Okay, it's generating right now. Similar format to the previous one. It says, here's the name of this style. Here's the objective, laying out the instructions, tips, and then even giving an example. Wow. Okay, let's quickly re read it over. What kind of impro improv long form did this create? So this format is called chain reaction, and the objective of the chain reaction improv long form is to create a series of interconnected scenes that build on each other, exploring different characters and storylines while maintaining connections between the scenes. All right, so it sounds pretty basic. Uh, now, to preface, this could actually be a real long-form improv style. I'm not 100% sure. But the setup is that you need a group of improvisers, usually four to six, and an audience suggestion is collected to inspire the initial scene. Wow. So in the instructions, uh, it breaks this down. You're basically going to be playing four to five total scenes, and it gives me a structure for that and what should be happening in each scene to build upon the previous scene. This is incredibly thorough and helpful. Even in the example, it gives me four scenes and kind of explains how they all tie together. Let's take a look. So the opening scene, the suggestion was a small town coffee shop. So in scene one, we see a barista flirting with a regular customer. Then we move to scene two, where the regular customer discusses the encounter with their quirky best friend. So see how those two are related. In scene three, the best friend goes to a therapy session and shares the story. And then finally, the therapist's next patient happens to be, to be the barista. Oh my gosh. So we see the evolution of this interaction, right? The flirting with the barista, shared with the friend. The friend goes to therapy. Then the therapist meets the barista. Wow. It's a chain reaction, right? All these scenes fed into one another and it ended with a callback at the end. It says the narrative unfolds as these scenes interconnect and evolve, revealing the layers of the characters' lives and relationships. Callbacks, unexpected connections, and humorous moments contribute to a rich and engaging long-form improv experience. Chain Reaction is a versatile format that allows improvisers to explore character-driven storytelling while maintaining an interactive, interconnected narrative thread. Wow. That is... My mind right now is like... <sighs> absolutely blown. It was crazy how it, it pulled all of this and put it together, gave me examples, instructions, and I can understand how it works and I could apply this in real life. We're going to try one more thing with ChatGPT because this is fascinating. So the last thing we're going to try is we're going to see if I can 
attempt to perform an improv scene with ChatGPT. Perform an improv scene with me. All right. Uh, I asked it to perform an improv scene with me. And it said, of course, let's give it a try. And then it gave itself a suggestion and then just wrote an entire improv scene between two characters named Alex and Jamie. <laughs> Basically wrote it as a script, even with stage directions and emotional beats built in. Wow. Okay. So... <laughs> We didn't get a chance to perform the scene together. Uh, I, I'd like to perform a scene with ChatGPT. Let's maybe try one more time. Give me a suggestion for an improv scene. One word. Gosh. I sure do find all of this such a mystery, you know, at the museum. How did these artifacts get here? I think I broke it. It gave me the response mystify, and uh, then it stopped reading. You'll see. Uh, I just gave an opening line. I typed it in because it was having trouble hearing me. And uh, it just started writing the scene. Oh, man. Okay. So at least ChatGPT is not ready to improvise with me yet. It just, it can give you suggestions. It can tell you about some games. It can create long forms for you. But it's not ready to have this back and forth quite yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I tried to start an improv with it. It gave me a prompt. I gave it an opening line, and then it just exploded and writes a scene, almost like a sketch, which is a little scary. Okay. So obviously, this is but a brief overview of ChatGPT's capabilities, of generative AI's capabilities. This was just like... This is like that scene in Mulan where we see the character, I can't remember which one, but one of Mulan's friends dips his toe into the water uh, when they all go to take the bath before jumping in, right? That's what this is tonight. Just exploring the improvisational capabilities of one AI, ChatGPT, one of the most prominent ones. So what's the big deal with this? What's the hubbub? What's the controversy? Well, as you know, uh, there are both writers and actor strikes happening right now in this very city of Los Angeles. And one component of these strikes going on, particularly with the writers, is the fear of AI being let into the writer's room. We saw a brief example of the capabilities of AI here tonight. We were able to write a poem about the Fast and Furious, a more specific poem, a haiku. We were also able to write descriptions of improv games, lists, um, and so much more. Scenes very quickly, right? We were able to write scenes about different prompts that I gave ChatGPT. Imagine you're a writer. You get your first gig working on a sitcom, and you're told, hey, 
we're actually not going to have you write the script. We're going to have you put in these prompts to chat GPT. It's going to spit something out. And then we just want you to punch it up a little bit. And uh, that'll be the pilot episode for this show. Uh, we're going to tell ChatGPT we want to uh, see a script for a sitcom uh, that's about a family who just moved to New Orleans. And it's going to be funny and very campy. So we're going to have AI write that. You'll punch it up. And then we're going to be shooting next week. Great. So the fear, right, with writers is that AI is going to be let into the writer's room and slowly, slowly replace those writers. Because what do studios love about AI? Studios don't have to pay artificial intelligence to write for them. Studios don't have to pay residuals over time, right? If you worked on a TV show, you were the writer of a television episode, and that episode airs on television uh, for years and years and years after you originally wrote it. In theory, you're supposed to get residuals, right? You're supposed to get money for writing that episode of television. If AI writes it, the studios don't have to pay anyone. They don't have to pay residuals. They just have the episode written. It's there. Boom, they shoot it. They throw it on Netflix, and then it's good to go. If I were a writer, I'd be absolutely furious about this. Of course I would be striking. I don't want a computer to come in and replace me in the writer's room, and I don't want the studios to think they can do a better job than me. Someone who you know, brings my own individual experiences, my personality and my perspective into my writing. I don't think AI can replicate that. So that's just a little bit of what these strikes are about from the writer's perspective, but also from the actor's perspective. There's already been reports of studios essentially having actors come in, background actors. They come in, they do a full body scan. They say, hey, great, thanks for your day of work. They pay them for the day, they get them out of there, and then they use that full body scan in subsequent projects. Right? You scan an actor once, you can put them in a crowd shot, cafeteria scene, whatever that is, but you only had to pay them once to use that likeness, not over and over and over again. That's absolutely crazy, right? You can use AI to generate a crowd of the people that you've scanned. You say, uh, hey, AI, uh, generate a, a crowd shot for me at a football game. Right? It just pulls from all those scanned actors that you have and recreates them in a football stadium. This AI stuff is crazy, crazy powerful. And the more data and the more information we feed into it, the better, the smarter, and the more successful at its generation it's going to get, right? The better prompts we learn how to give it, the more specific we learn to be, the better it is. So I bring this up tonight as a word of warning, but also as an opportunity to express curiosity, to understand what this is, its capabilities, the dangers it could pose, but also the realities of the helpfulness of it, right? You can sit down with ChatGPT and you can type into it, write me a meal plan uh, that helps me eat 150 grams of protein a day. And it will pull it and write that out for you. And I think inherently that could be a helpful tool. I don't know if that's necessarily hurting anyone, perhaps a nutritionist or a doctor, right? But maybe you don't have access to those things. Maybe you don't have health insurance. Maybe you can't afford it. Using ChatGPT or AI might be a helpful way to do that. Maybe it can help you find a recipe uh, for something you want to bake rather than you having to go on the internet and look up a recipe, read through the 15-paragraph uh, emotional sob story about how this was their grandma's recipe uh, for this blueberry pie, right? Get through all that. Finally find the ingredients after closing out of 15 different pop-up ads, right? 
Maybe ChatGPT can help you find that recipe more quickly. But I guess my core question comes down to this. ChatGPT, this artificial intelligence. Is it artificial intelligence or is it artificial improvisation? Because just like we humans do, we take in all our learned experiences, everything we've ever witnessed, read, watched, listened to, experienced, and we pull that out into our improv scenes, whether we know it or not, whether we're gray spacing or not. Everything we have experienced to thus point in that improv scene is pulled from our own lives, from our own perspective. And this AI works in a similar way. It's fed so many things, and when asked, when prompted, it's able to pull them out. So there's something similar happening there. But the only difference, I think, is that AI lacks the humanity. Right? It lacks the nuance, the perspective, the emotional reasoning behind it. Right? Why we choose something because of how we're feeling. Why we don't choose something behind what we're feeling. So I think the interesting thing is this. AI is in its very early stages and rapidly changing and evolving every day. I think it's at a point where it can be an incredible tool, even to folks who are improvisers like us. It can help you come up with games and give you prompts and create maybe lesson plans for you or help you learn about improv technique or so many other things. But I think it also poses a danger. So with tonight's episode, here's what I encourage you to do. If you've got some free time in the coming weeks, I think you should go and check out ChatGPT. Mess around with some AI. Understand its capabilities. See if it is improvisational. Do you believe it's improvisational? Or is it just scraping data off the internet? Is scraping information from so many other places? Because the question really comes down to this. We as human beings have our own original thoughts and ideas. But do we think that can be replicated? Thank you so much for checking out this incredibly unique and interesting episode of Improv for the Podcast. AI is a fascinating thing, and its role in our world is only growing every day. So take some time to understand it. Explore it so you know what you're getting into and what this world is getting into. As always, we'll be back next week with another episode of Improv for the Podcast. We've got some incredible guests coming up. I know you're all tired of me. Maybe we'll have AI host the next couple of episodes. But as always, you can find us streaming on uh, any platform that has podcasts. We'll be there. Even YouTube. You can see my face. You can see ChatGPT's face and so much more. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next week. Improv for the Podcast was created by Matt Moore and Michael Lee Evans. Edited and produced by Michael Lee Evans. And finally, presented by Improv for the People. Interested in more IFTP? You can visit us at improvforthepeople.com or on our socials, such as Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. Remember, new episodes are released weekly. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.